0: What is the cost of not doing this if we don't make this investment now, if we don't be at the forefront of this technology at this utility, what opportunities are we
1: losing? This is episode 335 of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. When a local community considers developing a publicly owned fiber optic network, The process from idea to implementation typically takes several years. This week Christopher talks with Joel McAuliffe, City Councilor from Chicopee, Massachusetts, a community that is currently involved in that process of consideration. Joel and Christopher discuss the city, what internet access is like there, and the work that they've done so far in exploring options for better connectivity. They talk about some of the reasons why Joel thinks that investing in a network is the best option for his community and what they stand to risk if they don't take action. Joel also discusses what it's like as an elected official faced with this type of issue. Now, here's Christopher with Counselor Joel McAuliffe from Chicopee, Massachusetts.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self Reliance in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Today I'm speaking with Joel McAuliffe, the city councilor with in Chicopee, Massachusetts. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey Chris, thanks for having me
2: This is going to be a uh, I think a very good back and forth discussion. You have done a lot of research into this. you're a strong advocate for an aggressive municipal network in Chicopee, and you've made a difference you're you're heading in that direction, so that's kind of a, a preview but let's just let's start a little bit with where is chicopee and and what is its sort of economic situation you know what's it like to live there?
0: Sure. So we're about 90 miles uh, west of Boston. Uh, We're known as the Crossroads of New England. Uh, We're pretty much the center of uh, Interstate 91, all the major highways. If you're coming from New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut, you come through here. Uh, It used to be a major uh, industrial hub. It's where a lot of uh, railroads would cross through. Uh, We had a town of seven railroads. Uh, It's a huge industrial hub. We are home to the Ames Manufacturing Company, which made swords during the Civil War uh, for the Union Army. Um, So we we have a huge industrial base, home of Uniroyal, old tire manufacturer. Um, So that's really where uh, where we stand. Uh, We're a town of uh, 56,000. We're trending upwards. We're growing in terms of population. And we're also home to the uh, largest air reserve base in the country, Westover Air Reserve Base, so a, a huge military component here as well.
2: And your background is that you had, you previously worked for the mayor, um, but uh, tell us a little bit about where you come from.
0: I uh, grew up in Chicopee, uh, went to school there, and uh, shortly after my second year of college, uh, was hired by the mayor of the city of Chickabee. I had run previously Uh, as a team for school committee and was unsuccessful. But after my second attempt, the mayor hired me to work in his office. And it was in that time period where I did some work uh, in working on certain special projects, uh, where I came across the success of Chattanooga, Tennessee, which piqued my interest in municipal broadband, uh, and also paid attention to what President Obama did in his State of the Union in 2015, where he pushed uh, the success of certain municipal broadband utilities across the country and encourage municipalities to make that investment. Um, so that's where my interest uh, in uh, broadband internet on a municipal level started. From there, uh, I left in two, uh, late 2016 uh, to go work for our state senator, uh, Eric Lesser, a Harvard grad and a, alum of the Obama administration, uh, and I've been working for him since uh, January 2017. Uh, shortly after getting hired for him, I decided to take another plunge in electoral politics and uh, decided to run for city council and was elected in November of that year. Um, you know, fun story for me is as much as I liked municipal broadband, I thought it would be a little bit of a too technical thing to try to talk about on the campaign trail. Um, but as I knocked doors and met with voters, it increasingly became aware to me that this is something that they – uh, were that was really important to them because they were incredibly frustrated uh, with the internet services and cable services in our in our area, which were pretty much confined to either DSL service from Verizon or uh, cable service uh, through Charter Spectrum, were both which uh, are not very well received in the community. Um, and being a community that is has a electric utility that is incredibly successful and well received. That became very clear to me that that was an issue that that we should push and work on, and uh, continuing to work on it to today.
2: One of the things that, that you say um, in, in an op-ed that you wrote when running um, is something that really resonated with me. Um, you wrote, so often in government, we look for reasons not to do something. We say it's too costly or it's too much work. We hardly ever talk about why we should do something. Now is the time for us to make this investment in our city so we can create jobs and build on our history of innovation by shepherding in a new modern economy that works for everyone. Now, I have to say that, that you, you know, pushing for a municipal utility is a real breath of fresh air in that what I often hear from city council members is, well, maybe we could do a partnership or something, but we don't want to take on risk. And so tell me, why do you think Chicopee is 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 well poised to succeed with a municipal utility approach?
0: I appreciate you bringing that quote forth. And I still feel very passionately about uh, about heading in that direction and everything that I said at that time, because You know, as an old industrial community, we have lost so so much industry, so many jobs because the economy is changing. You know, in our area, we're one of the few uh, communities that have that municipal electric utility, which allows us to spin off of that to create that broadband Internet utility. Um, And additionally, because of some of the work that's been done in our community over the years, we already have a fiber backbone in place that's been used in the city over the last few years. So part of that project, what's needed uh, to do a fiber build out to the home is already done. You know, yes, I, I do hear those concerns from other people about, you know, the cost associated, the risk associated, the general manager of our electric light utility Uh, is advocating for a a much more conservative build-out than I am, highlighting the risk to their electric side of things. Um, That is a valid point, but I'd like to hit back on the fact that, you know, what is the cost of not doing this? If we don't make this investment now, uh, if we don't be at the forefront of this technology, at this utility, what opportunities are we losing? You know, I traveled last month to Burlington, Vermont. I'm sure you guys know a little bit of the story about Burlington, Vermont. They were one of the first utilities to be created uh, in the early 2000s, uh, creating a fiber-to-the-home utility. Um, and I met with their general manager. They they were uh, one of the number one cited failures of the municipal broadband generation. They were They were largely a failure because... Uh, as it was explained to me, they were created specifically because the people in Burlington did not like Comcast and they wanted to find a way to stick it to them. But as time went on, as they struggled with the loans that they took out to do this, they, they realized that they didn't have a targeted approach and a reason or a issue that they were trying to solve with their creation of their utility. They didn't have a a reason to do this outside of wanting to compete with Comcast. Fast forward a few years, they brought in a gentleman to try to revise their model, uh, their business model. They changed their outlook. They tried, figured out, you know, the the business side of things that they could attract businesses to Burlington. They could offer service at a lower price. They could offer better services uh, to their residents. And they have become much more focused on all the things that we talk about, which is using it to create economic development, which is using it to save our residents' money, which is using it uh, to give them an opportunity to have that better service. And now they're thriving. They are expanding to communities across Vermont, not just in Burlington. And they're a very successful utility. And I often point to folks that say that there are some failures uh, in this area, and say, "Yes, there are, but you th- those are really uh, confined to the first few years of the phenomenon uh, lately you've seen very little failure uh, in this area because we we sort of have an idea how to do it and do it the right way um, but you know, the communities that do this need to have people who think about this on a thoughtful level. You can't just throw all your eggs in a basket, create a utility, and expect it to be successful. There's multiple components associated with it. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's what we're trying to do in Chicobee and, and it's been well-received, at least from the residents. It's been a little bit more difficult on the governmental level. Um, But the residents feel very passionately about this.
2: I'm not surprised to hear you say that. That's uh, actually pretty common in in my experience in that the uh, local elected officials are often much more timid than the um, constituents. Um, right. I want to I want to note that um, with Burlington, we did actually we have done an interview with I believe Stephen Barraclough who I think yep. is still managing it. Yep. Um. And and there were a number of factors. I mean, there was um, uh, with Burlington, what you said is true, and it's actually um, those are important lessons for anyone building a network like this. Um, in Burlington's case, one of the biggest problems though was I think one of the mayors um, uh, basically lied about its performance and hid when it was struggling, and and that led to loss after loss that nobody even really knew about. And so it's a reminder of the need for uh, city council members to do their oversight job and, and things like that. So I just want to put that out there for people to make sure that they're hearing that part of it as well. Um, but what I really want to talk about is um, is a little bit more about what you heard in running, because you won, um, you know, you beat an incumbent um, that had been there for 10 years. You, you beat him significantly, that incumbent. I don't know if it was him or her, actually. Um and um, and I'm curious, do you attribute that to your message on municipal broadband? Was it a, a combination of factors uh, what, what do you think drove that
0: well I think with any any sort of election there's there's varying factors but uh, I think municipal broadband I think was the center issue you know we like most communities as costs go up in different sorts of areas like things like trash and other sort of uh, services that municipalities offer, it seems today that the resident, the constituent, is getting less and less in terms of services, less paying for their buck. So as as they receive less and continue to pay more, we have to think about ways how to replace some of those services, enhance some of the things that they, that they get uh, when they're losing some of the other services. And I thought this was just such a Such a shining example as a way to do that. You're, you're, we're heading towards an area where people want to find a way to cut the cord with their cable companies, with their tel, uh, with their phone companies, and the only way you can do that is if you have reliable internet that is able to handle the type of bandwidth that's necessary for them to do that. So, on a much more basic level, to to your average Joe, it's how can you save them money, and the only way you're really going to be able to save them money is if you find a way for them to to lower their monthly costs by providing a service that allows them to do that um and that that was a calculation that i made that the the way that they're able to to cut the cord is to have that reliable service to have uninterrupted service by offering the high-speed broadband and they were very receptive to that and they're very excited about that because they're looking for something out of their governor and Uh, One of the things that that we continue to hear from my colleagues in elected government is concern over the price. Now we did a feasibility study in 2015 uh, that basically analyzed the entire system that we had already, which was that fiber backbone that was part of the electric utility that already existed and evaluated the economic climate in Western Massachusetts evaluated, Uh, the interest in the residents and having such a utility. And it was pretty unanimous that, you know, this would be a huge success in Chicobie. It projected what the take rate would be, the interest in the consumer, in becoming a part of the utility, a subscriber in the utility. It evaluated the economic climate in Western Massachusetts. That showed that if Chickabee were to create this utility, it would uh, cement ourselves as a leader in the 21st century economy, allow us to compete for tech companies and jobs that don't already exist. Uh, you know, for example, we look at Boston and Cambridge as a thriving tech industry thriving in other industries as well but uh, a huge success in tech and uh, innovation but the cost of doing business the cost of living in boston and cambridge and surrounding areas is so expensive it's driving people out uh, i hear every day of people who travel from chickadee and from western massachusetts out to boston for work and they find it difficult uh, to do that what what I view happening, because no other municipality has this sort of technology, has this sort of utility at the what we would be able to do if we build it out the way I'm advocating for, would be to attract some of those companies to Western Massachusetts, where our cost of living, our cost of doing business is so much less than it is there. So it would allow us to compete in this 21st century economy. It's a goal. And I keep returning to that phrase is what is the cost of not doing this? Because if we do not, and we miss this opportunity, we miss this chance in time, we'll be regulated to falling behind everybody else. And we'll, we will not have found a way to replace uh, the success we had during the industrial revolution when we were a player in terms of, uh, Of industry. So I think it's a huge opportunity to cement our future, to to make our stake about where we're going to go. And I think it's largely important that we make an investment, a significant investment, uh, to get that done.
2: Well there is a, a context here as well and that's that Westfield Otis are already moving ahead with uh, fiber project um, others in Western mass I mean you're looking at 20 or thirty towns that, that may soon have fiber to the home to the majority of the area um, you know you're right next to Holyoke which I believe um, actually even serves some of the places in Chicopee some of the businesses with their municipal utility um, and so I, I have to think that you're feeling some pressure that that it, to the extent there is going to be investment in Western Western Mass, if Chicopee doesn't have the infrastructure of the day, you're definitely going to be missing out on it.
0: Well, certainly. And we just saw within the last week, uh, South Hadley, which is a community that borders Chicopee, uh, hired away our project manager that was spearheading this effort in Chicopee uh, to go work for them so that they can look at expanding. The difference between what those communities are doing is they're doing a much more conservative, slow build-out uh, I'm advocating for making a significant investment in building this out much faster uh, and building out to every home. Those other communities have done, like Westfield, which has been successful, have done fiberhoods, hoods, um, have slowly built it out. I want to build fiber to every home and every business to make it accessible because I don't necessarily believe the offer it and they will come approach, uh, which is currently what Chickabee uh, is discussing doing. Uh, getting people to sign up for a service that doesn't exist doesn't seem all that successful to me. So you have to be real for, for that interest to exist for people. They have to have that opportunity to make that switch, to realize that service uh, before before uh, before you realize all the success that comes with it. But yeah, we definitely feel the pressure. Um, things that have been going on in, in Westfield, things that have been going on uh, in Holyoke are reasons that... We, we need to cement ourselves as a main competitor, and we need to be leaders in this effort and not followers.
2: And I, I certainly wouldn't, um, I, I should have mentioned Leverett as well. I just want to give them a plug because they've been, um, they were quite sharp in their project.
0: With regards to those, those communities, they are rural communities that had been without any sort of broadband at all. Um, so that's, them, them being able to get that is, is large in part because of a statewide effort to complete what they call that last mile to connect those communities uh, that haven't had any sort of broadband. So they're, they're going from zero to, to hero in some sense. And it's exciting for those communities, but it, it increases our need to be more competitive and ahead of the curve.
2: One of the things that was was hard to follow from afar was a dynamic that I want you to describe to me because you know looking at the newspapers as it was happening, it seemed like some months ago um, Chicopee basically decided either to make a decision later or to make a very gradual approach, and then uh, you started a petition, and then all of a sudden it seemed like the uh, city council got more aggressive what What happened there
0: since i've come into office I, I used whatever tools possible to to keep this issue at the forefront uh, and to not let it go away. So I think that has played a large part in that. Uh, It's continuously been discussed on the council. I brought resolutions forward to have the council take a stand. Of course, we can't generate funding, but we can certainly uh, drive the public discourse. And the public has been very supportive uh, and very adamant with their elected officials that this is something uh, that they want to get done. The main difficulty that we face, and I'm sure many other communities face this, is a basic understanding from those in elected government of what this means. You know, I I've heard it uttered in these meetings uh, that I've been a part of in these discussions that DSL is just fine. Everybody who ha- wants internet it has it. I don't understand why we, you know, need to build something that we already have. And this is a lot of times and I'm sure other communities again face this is that you have people making decisions on what kind of technological investment your community is going to make with people who don't use the technology don't understand the technology I mean we've had a feasibility study that outlines a lot of this stuff that was that's been done for a number of years and available to the public which people in elected government haven't read or don't understand that really makes things difficult so I, that, that's the challenge we're facing, how to educate our elected leaders about how important this is, about how this isn't just you know, creating a cheaper service so that you can stream Netflix easier, but how it really unlocks so many different doors and opportunities for your community uh, that are limitless.
2: Well, let's, let's push in on that as, uh, as we wind down the interview. Um, you know, If the result of this, if the result of your pushing ahead aggressively with this was that a, a national cable or telephone company said, you know what, we think Chicopee is a great place to build a fiber to the home network. We're going to cover everyone with the latest technology. Do you think that would solve your, your problem?
0: I don't know. I don't see Google or any sort of community or any sort of company coming to Chicopee and making that investment, but it certainly would be welcome.
2: I know that you care a lot about net neutrality, and that's what I was kind of getting at. What if it was AT&T or or Comcast or Charter, companies that we know uh, have worked hard to try to undermine um, the net neutrality tradition of the internet?
0: Let's, Let's just dovetail off that a little bit. One of the main arguments from my counsel against progressing forward has been reports that were paid for by Charter and Comcast saying that this kind of area was a failure. One one of the main reasons uh, early on this year that I discussed about why we need uh, to move forward with this is that the Trump administration was uh, and, and the FCC were rolling back those net neutrality uh, rules that didn't allow any sort of discrimination to occur. As a municipal utility, uh, we could reject uh, that interference in terms of net neutrality. If AT&T or any other co- uh, company came in, they're free to do what they choose um, with these new restrictions uh, that are lack of restrictions. So um, while I would encourage and welcome any sort of development that, uh, investment in our city, uh, I still think the municipal side is the way to go
2: it's pretty clear in, in your advocacy and even in the supporters you've had with uh, Chattanooga's Mayor Andy Burke um, you know, encouraging you um, that, that Chattanooga is in some ways an inspiration. You mentioned that toward the beginning. Chattanooga is, is undoubtedly one of the most successful networks they also happen to have been. And I, this is in no way casting disparagement on any specific utility, but Chattanooga is one of the most best well-run electric utilities in in the country, from what I can tell, um, you know, is there a danger in in sort of using an almost an outlier in terms of success as a, as a measuring rod?
0: You're right about that. Chattanooga is the first and one of the most successful. You, to, you know, the successful, most successful one.
2: Sorry, let me just let me jump in because you actually just said something that that uh, has a common. Uh, claim and that's they were actually not one of the first they were probably like you know 30th or 40th or something like that in terms of the number although I would say that they certainly have been um, incredibly successful so just a a quick note in terms of when they built it they were they were in the sort of third wave almost
0: certainly on the forefront of the of the technology uh, compared to where everybody else is but you know Chattanooga was was able to the reason they were able to do this build out so so quickly and so effectively was because they were able to get uh, stimulus money uh, at the beginning of the Obama administration. Uh, so what they did is invested in their smart grid, which included uh, this broadband utility. But, you know, when I went to Burlington, uh, one of the things that stuck with me in, in speaking with Stephen was he said to me, you have to have a champion in your community to have this be successful.
2: Absolutely. And that's what
0: Chattanooga had. They had a mayor that was a leader on the issue and understood what this could do for his community. A lot of these communities that are entering this don't have that leader who fully understands what this does for your community. So the difference between us and Chattanooga is we're going to have to make a public investment, whether entirely uh, be from our municipal tax base or by bonding or however we do this, or whether we receive any sort of state funds, we don't know how that's going to work out. But what we do know, the comparisons in terms of them being a old industrial town that made an investment in itself and was able to change its future, I think is very comparable to us. Are we going to see the kinds, you know, the billion dollar investment, the thousands of jobs? It's not going to be that significant because some of that's already been done, but it is undoubtedly going to attract investment to our city. It is undoubtedly going to lower the cost that our residents have. And it is undoubtedly going to improve their service. And just because we're not the first or one of the first, uh, to do this uh, doesn't mean we won't realize those successes. So I think it's important for us to make the investment. I'm not too concerned at comparing us to Chattanooga because I think we have to learn from their successes. But as I've mentioned with Burlington, we have to learn from other failures as well. Um, So I think that's important, but uh, Chattanooga has done things the right way. They've marketed themselves the right way and they've grown to offering Uh, their services to surrounding communities in a way that I think we need to think about doing um, in a way that Burlington's also now doing because other communities in Western Massachusetts don't have the municipal light plant that they can use uh, to expand. So I think it offers a tremendous blueprint and I think it offers a, a great path forward for us.
2: And I just wanted to jump in to reiterate something you said at the beginning of that which is uh which is key and sometimes um has gotten confused in um the minds of of a lot of people working in this issue um, and that 's the the stimulus um, at the beginning of the Obama presidency to re- help the economy recover um, that helped Chattanooga go from a ten year build out plan to a three year build out plan, mm-hmm. but uh, they did have to uh, borrow money still and, um, and oh, some yeah, people absolutely. some people have have claimed that without that money Chattanooga couldn 't have done what they did, and uh, the accurate piece of that is that that money enabled them to go faster, but I think Chattanooga was poised to have the success because of the right leadership and the right vision. Um, and the time frame is what, is what changed with uh, the Department of Energy grant.
0: Absolutely. And that's the argument that we get here, right? Is that because we have to do this all on our own, we should do it slower. And yeah, it absolutely did help Chattanooga move faster. Um, but what we see here is we've already had the backbone, the fiber backbone in place in Chickabee. So we're, we do have the, the base of an infrastructure already. So that puts us a little bit further ahead than any any other uh, organization would be starting out.
2: Well, thank you, Joel. Um, I really appreciate your your leadership on this. Your your passion for it. It's something that I think um, local governments really need is to get that that sense of vision back that we talked about uh, with that line from your op ed about um, look at the reasons why something should be done rather than focusing uh, too much on the risks. Um, you know, it's it's important to to measure the risks, but I think people are, are scared sometimes, and it's important to to make sure that you have a, a vision you're working toward. Um, so I hope that others will take heart from you, just as you've taken heart from Chattanooga and from uh, the Obama campaign and presidency. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on uh, the show.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me, and to all your listeners, uh, I hope it's important that they realize that you know people who care about their community when they feel very passionate about an issue. The power is is in their hands. So continue to work on the advocacy. Appreciate what your organization does in, in raising awareness um, throughout the country. And, and so grateful for what you guys do. And appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and uh, wish you guys the best.
1: That was Christopher with Counselor Joe McAuliffe from Chicopee, Massachusetts, discussing efforts in his city to develop a municipal fiber optic network. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at community nets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other podcasts from ILSR, Building Local Power, and the Local Energy Rules podcast. You can access them wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss out on our original research. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. And while you're there, please take a moment to donate. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. And thanks for listening to episode 335 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast.